Okay, so they, all right, thanks. So they stayed there for about a year to just teach the people, to show them what it looks like to follow after Jesus. Because sometimes, yeah, for us, we need to be taught, right? Like, I'm sure for many of us, as we're learning something, whether maybe it's learning an instrument or learning maybe some, uh, you know, some, uh, like, coding or, or uh, learning a sport, you know, we, we, we need to be taught. Maybe sometimes we go to YouTube to learn, or if we have, you know, we can hire an instructor or whatnot. We learn from a friend. Right, we need to be taught. And, but then they didn't continue to stay there because um, the church in Jerusalem, they were suffering because of a drought. They were suffering. So Barnabas and Saul were like, hey, well, let's, let's go around the churches and let's collect donations and let's, let's bring gifts to uh, the, uh, the church in Jerusalem to, to help them. So they went and um, they went. And then now in the, at the end of chapter 12 and beginning of 13, we see that they're coming back now. So... Uh, let, let's read this. Uh, the end of chapter 12, verse 25, it says, When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, right, meaning the, giving the donations, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, right, also called Mark. Right, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Uh, Barnabas, uh, Simeon called Niger, Lucius, a Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they, sent, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So first we see that uh, Barnabas and Saul, when they returned to Antioch, they didn't come back alone. Along with them came this man named John, also called Mark. Or we don't know exactly what his role is. It doesn't say here. Um, maybe he was maybe just a, an extra hand, a helping hand. Uh, maybe he was, he was learning. But we, and I think that just being with Barnabas and Saul, people who love Jesus so much, and it showed through their lives that, that John was really getting a firsthand experience of what it means to follow Jesus. And as he was with Barnabas and Saul, and as they would would travel hundreds of miles, like visiting different peoples. He would be there and learning and just, just watching and just kind of soaking it in. And during that time, uh, I believe that they would have poured into John, that would have uh, explained to him what's going on and, and helped him and answered his questions and helped him further along the journey. And John being there, just being there in, the, in person, I think that's such a valuable thing. Because I believe that, you know, for us, we can talk all we want. We can learn about being witnesses for Jesus. But it's really when we're, we're actually doing it that, or that we are really seeing the, the fruit. So uh, uh, this, for this year, VBS, um, I'm, really, I'm really proud of everyone that volunteered. I, just, I, I don't think I can say that enough. I'm really, really proud and grateful for everyone that helped out. Um, we have a couple of youth uh, who helped out, uh, and this is their first time. This is their first time uh, last year. They just came up from Awana. You know, so in Awana, you know, like, you know, they're still seen as younger kids, right? But now, like, yeah, like, they're, 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 they're getting older now, and, and this is their first, it seemed like their very first opportunity at church to have some leadership roles, um, to have some bigger responsibility. Uh, see, uh, Joseph, he's, he's smiling there. You know, he was helping out with AV and, and games, and I was really proud of him. You know, like, the, you know, the, the, the pool outside, he, like, he... He blew it, blew it up uh, by himself, um, losing his uh, clarinet skills, right? Yeah, like, 
it took him like like an hour, but but he got it done. He got it done. I'm really, like really proud of it. And he was doing the AV right. Like he was asking like, Phil, what do I do this? Do I do this now? Do I turn up the volume now? And do I and this now? Do I do I put the logo up? And he was just asking all these questions. And he was like getting it done. And and everyone helped out. Like Anne, I see Anne helped out with the younger kids and just leading them, taking care of them. Some of them don't even really talk much, but she was she was keeping caring for them. And Jonathan helping out with the the older kids. So yeah, I just see like everyone coming together, helping out, and it was kind of like during the training times. We had trainings, we had meetings. You know, I, w- I would teach them stuff. But then during the VBS, during the actual week, is it's when they actually like got to put what they learned to the test, to see if, how they're going to do. You know, and oftentimes it's during those times that we really see what we've learned, right? See what we what we're capable of, and see what it is like to to do something. And also, um, you know, it's uh, for Taiwan missions, um, I know some people here have been on Taiwan missions as well. Like last year, we had eight weeks of training before we went. Uh, I'm sure Christian remembers that, <laughs> right? But we got a lot of training, and uh, then we went. We learned about culture in Taiwan. We learned about how to share the gospel. We learned about uh, how to teach a class and all these things, right? But it wasn't until we went that we realized, man, like all these things that's going to happen, we can't anticipate. We can't anticipate flooding, Right, where, where Josh's stuff got all soaked in the, in the water, right? We can't anticipate people getting sick. I think, like, I got sick in, like, the first week Rebecca got sick, and then other people were getting tired, right? You can't anticipate that. And all the, uh, the yeah, there's just exhaustion, the mosquitoes, and, and all that. So, yeah, it's really during times like these where we really see and, t- and are tested and we're really refined by God. And during this VBS, um, Justin, he emailed me on the very first day, and and he emailed me this. He said, Phil, just a reminder, but remember to have fun. Remember to have fun. Remember to relax. Have fun. Enjoy. Spend time with people. I think that's something that I was learning for myself as well. Like, I was really stressed out about certain things, but really is to to be there with the, the people there, the volunteers and the kids there and then. And during those times when kids, uh, they, they, they say, oh, this, this, this is boring, like, all the games are boring, or something, it's so hot outside, or like, oh, like, I'm tired, or like, oh, the, the snacks, like, it's, I mean, snacks are good, but like, yeah, the snacks, like, I want more snacks, you know, like, and it's just a lot of complaining, um, a lot of frustration, sometimes the kids, uh, they don't, they don't want to listen, and during the class times, they might be lying on the ground, or, or rolling around, you know, some kids run around, and uh, you know, for me, sometimes, like, if I get really tired, you know, by day three, my temper gets short, and I have less patience with, with, with people, and sometimes I might, I feel like oh, I, might lash, I might lash out at any moment. So, you know, during times like these where, you know, like, God is, 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 is working on, in us, he's sanctifying us, right, through these times, through the hard times, that's how we grow, right? God uses those to help us to grow, Right, to these kids, we're supposed to be witnesses, and the kids, they're really watching us to see how we're responding, how bad they can be, and will we still love them, will we still care for them? I think some of them are really testing those limits sometimes. I'm sure we've tested those limits with our parents before as well. Right, but we're there to be witnesses, so that's what we're trying to do. And I love how it says that, later on, it says that they returned. Not only did they bring a person, but they returned, right? I think Paul and Saul, uh, uh, Barnabas and Saul, they're really good witnesses, really good examples of witnesses, because they stayed with them. I'm sure that uh, for many of us, uh, especially with college students coming back, um, or you get to meet up with your old friends, right? Your friends from high school. You get to see people we haven't seen in a long time. Maybe during family, re- family reunions, 
uh, you get to have the joy of being together with people that you love, that you care about. And that's what's happening here, is that Barnabas and Saul, they were with this church for a year, but then they left, and then they came back. They came back, and they, they were able to share stories together, maybe happy stories, maybe sad stories, maybe stories of how God is working, how, what God is doing in their lives what God is doing in my life, in your life, and they're able to share that together. And we can see just a really sweet, sweet time, a bonding between them. They're able to follow up. I think that's really important, is following up. Following up. And that's what we want to do with these VBS families. One-third of them um, come to our WANA program already, so we're, we meet with them regularly. A third of them go to other churches um, because maybe the time worked out better or maybe the other place was full. So they come, but you know, we want them to stay at their churches because we know they're going to church. That's good. And then a third of them actually are unchurched or unchristian. So those are the people that we're really trying to uh, focus on. They live in our neighborhoods, um, and there are people there that, that have already had some contact with us, and we want to follow up with them. I continue to follow up, just like Barnabas and Saul, they're following up. See how they're doing. How are you guys doing? We've been away for a while. You, know, you guys, uh, we taught you guys for a year, but how are you guys doing now? You know, how's your walk with Christ? How's that going? And let's, let's continue to read, all right? And then, and then it says that, um, oh, sorry, let me finish this up. Uh, let me just ask you guys one question here. One question. Why does the church exist? Why does the church exist? What, why, why are we here? Why does the church exist? Worship God? Okay, what else? What else? Fellowship? Okay. So you guys are have your so yeah uh, what else there's uh, yeah those are all right answers good answers what else come on guys why 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 does the church exist why are we here today and not lying in bed you know just taking you know sleeping in or you know doing whatever whatever we want to do right just chilling why are we here though why does church exist mission okay yeah 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 we're getting there. Good, so the mission, right? So what is one way that we can tell that a church has their priorities straight? Well, you got to ask, why are we here? What are we here for? Right? I think that's a really important question for a lot of things that you do. When you say, why, do I'm, why, why am I going to school? Or why are you going to school? Or why are you working? You know, or why, what, why, are you, why are you doing what you're doing? We see here that these people at Antioch, they had their priorities straight because they were focused on the mission of God. They're focused on the mission that God gave them. And we see it how? Right, the first part, we see it in verse 2. It says, while they were worshiping. Right, oftentimes we think of worship as just, you know, as we just sang a couple of songs as the musical portion of a, of a church service. A lot of times we call that worship, right? You're on the worship team. You know, oh, let's worship now. Or these are, uh, let's listen to some worship songs on the radio or something. You know, like, we, we use that kind of terminology. So we, some, oftentimes we might just uh, segregate it or separate it as in the first part is worship, and then, then everything else in the week is not worship. 
Or only when I'm seeing a song or listening to a song that I'm worshiping. Only the more expressive forms uh, are, are called worship. But worship is actually happens every moment that we're awake. Every moment. Worship is basically to, to say that, to deem that something is worthy. Something is worthy. Something is valuable. Something is, uh, is, is so, much, so valuable that we make our decisions to follow after that thing. That's what it means to worship something. So last week, Ben, he talked about uh, what? You guys remember what he talked about was the main topic of last week? Yeah, what? Idolatry. Exactly. Idolatry. So what is idolatry? Okay, what's an idol, though? What's an idol? Okay, something you like better than God. So something that, yes, it's called misplaced priorities, right? It's something that should, that God should be in the center, right? But we put something else in the center of our lives. Maybe for, for a period of time, maybe just for a decision, but God is not in the center anymore. That's idolatry, right? An idol is something that we think is good, and, and it could be good, right? Like, for example, um, friendships are good, right? Uh, uh, success is good, earning money is good, or having fun is good. But when we take that and, and, and we put that in the center of lives and not God, then that becomes idolatry. But we see that these people, they worship, right? And, and Paul David Tripp, he's a pastor, he's an author, real famous guy. He has a, he's known for his, um, his, his, his mustache. It's really like, a, really, you know, just well known, his mustache. You can go look it up later on, Paul David Tripp. Uh, he says this, Could it be that desire for a good thing has become a bad thing because that desire has become a ruling thing? Could that desire for a good thing become a bad thing because that desire has become a ruling thing? What's ruling us these days? What's ruling us? What's, what's, what's controlling our decisions? Are we on mission for God? Are we on mission with God? Or is something else you know, misplaced our priorities? And secondly, we see that they fasted. In verse 2, while they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, right, these people, they fasted. So let's first start, start off with what fasting is not. I'm sure you guys have heard about fasting before, but fasting is not a diet. Okay? Fasting is not a diet. If you want to, if you're looking to cut down on some weight or get more lean or something, or you're working out for health or, or whatever, uh, fasting is not an actual diet. And secondly, fasting is also not something that we, that, we, that we say when we don't want to eat something. I don't know if you guys have, have heard or seen people do that before. Someone's like, oh, hey, here's some, here's some candy. And it's like, oh, no, I'm, just, I'm fasting right now. I, don't, I, don't, I can't eat the candy. Or someone's like, oh, here's a cake. Oh, I can't eat the cake right now. Right? But it, it's, it's not a way to, to not get, get ourselves out from eating something, Okay. So fasting is not a diet, and fasting is not something we do when we don't want to eat something. Fasting is, fasting is this. It's abstaining from 
something, okay, most likely food, that's common, it's commonly it's, it's food, but it could be other things. It's abstaining from something while maintaining our focus on God. That's fasting. God, for Christians, should be our deepest longing. God should be our satisfaction. God, we should be depending on God. And during the time we fast, we realize that, that whatever we're fasting from, ultimately, that's not better than God. I also realize that fasting, though, um, it's, it's only for a period of time. Okay? If you want to try that out, I encourage you guys to try that out. That's something that I, I've been thinking about as well. We see that the, it, the Bible does not command fasting, but it is something that people have, have done. Right? The Jewish uh, people do that, and then uh, Christians, some uh, Christians uh, can also practice that. that that's, so it's a really good way to just, um, you know, just focus on God. It could be for just a part of a day. I know people have to work. If you go to work without food, you're, you know, you're probably not going to last very long, especially if you're doing a lot of you know, like thinking or moving and stuff like that, burning a lot of calories. Um, fasting, yeah, fasting, it could be just for a portion of the day. It could be from something. It could be fasting from social media, right? It could be fasting from, uh, you know, just like, just, just having a quiet time, like not picking up, I don't know, like if you can't pick up, if, if, if you can, just avoid phone calls or whatnot. You can avoid that. Um, but, yeah, it's not meant to be prolonged. Some people, if you have, like, uh, health conditions, like, I don't know, diabetes or stuff like that, you might need to be careful about how you fast, right? Be wise about that. Um, but, yes, fasting is so we focus on God. So we see these people, they worshipped, right? God was the center. And we also see that they fasted. They, they focused in on God. All right, Matthew 6, Matthew 6 uh, verse 16 to 18, it says, And when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, and that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So oftentimes I've seen this, is that people, they're fasting, and they just keep telling you, I'm fasting right now. I'm fasting. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm so hungry. I'm fasting right now. I can't eat that. I can't eat that. You know, I can't eat that. I'm fasting. And they're like, oh, I'm, you know, like, that's not the way it's supposed to be. When you're fasting, when you're focusing on God, no one should know unless, like, maybe, like, somehow they found out. Or maybe you had to tell them for, for a reason. But no one else should really know. Your, your face shouldn't be, like, like saddened, like, you know, or like, you know, I don't know, it's just, you know what I mean, right? Like, you shouldn't make yourself look like people should pity you. Or, or fasting shouldn't be that, done that way. Only God should know, and that's, and that's the reward from God. So, yeah, if you want to practice that, I encourage you to, to go and try that. You know, just talk with God during time, focus in on God, what God wants you to do, and His mission. And we see that not only do they worship and fast, but they also, what? Exactly. They prayed. They prayed in verse 3. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So what is prayer? It just can give anyone give a short description of what prayer is? Prayer? Maybe someone else. Someone else. There's too much answers from this side. I want some answers from this side here. What's prayer, guys? 
even even people who aren't Christians, they 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 know what prayer is. I see that when when the NBA person uh, player gets injured, people are like, oh, prayers to, you know, prayers up or something. Like they even even they they use that word. So I'm sure you guys have some concept of prayer. Come on, guys. What's prayer? I'm gonna, I'm gonna call on people now. Don't make me do that. Make it feel like a classroom. Don't make me call on people. I want to see who's avoiding eye contact. Wait, wait, what? Oh, you, you, Christian, you want to say something? No, you didn't. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm looking for a working definition of prayer. Okay, well, Christian just volunteered. So, Christian, what's, what's the definition of prayer? Well, what would you think is your definition of prayer? Communicating with the Lord. And how, do, how, how does that look like? You write him a letter? Or you send him an email? What does that look like? Okay. To yourself, talking mainly to yourself. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So yeah, it it could be seen that way. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. Krishna's right. It's communicating with God, communicating with the Lord. Yeah, that's right. Um, if any of you guys find out God's email, let me know. All right. I, I'd be interested in taking a look at that. But it is communicating with the Lord. We can pray any time of the day. We could pray anytime. We could pray for a long time, for a short time. We could pray alone. We could pray with others. So you don't, you don't have to be talking to yourself all the time. You could talk to, your, to other people with, you know, with God. Communication is, is really key in any relationship. For Christian, we have a relationship with God, a living relationship. And that requires communication. And I think that all this, it really shows where their heart is. If you haven't seen yet, these people of Antioch, it really shows where their heart is. And mind you, it's only been like a short while. It hasn't been that long. These people haven't been Christians for 10 years. These, these people aren't, aren't like, the, like third generation Christians or something like that. These people are, are the first generation. These people uh, are, are probably only like two years. Like they have, been, they have been only Christians for like maybe two years. It's been really, really kind of short. But we see these people that they're following after God. And they're totally on board with what he's doing because when the Holy Spirit said to them, as they're fasting and as they're worshiping, they said, set apart Barnabas and Saul. Set them apart for a work that I have called them to do. And we see that they didn't go, but God, no, we need them. We want them to stay here with us. Don't send them away. We like them to be here with us. We want them to teach us, to continue to show us what it looks like to follow God. And we like their support, their encouragement. Don't send them away. But we see that, no. When the Holy Spirit said, set them apart, they said, okay. They first, they fasted, right, and they prayed. They were discerning God's will. And they're like, yes, this is what God wants us to do. They lay their hands on them, and they send them off. Right? Last year, for, um, for time of mission, remember, we all stood up here, and then uh, we had elders and deacons and stuff like that uh, kind of lay hands on us, and then they send us off, right? Set us apart for a work. They send us off. I think that's a really healthy church. It's a church that is a sending church. 
A church that obeys the Great Commission. To go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And not only doing that, but teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, right? God is with us always to the end of age. So this is what we're supposed to be about. And we have to be serious about that. So my girlfriend, uh, she went back to Korea recently. Um, she went back on Friday morning. I took her to the airport because her grandfather on her father's side passed away on Thursday night. Her grandfather um, was hospitalized a while back, but he was discharged from the hospital and he was recovering well. And there weren't any, um, anything to be, to, be, uh, to be worried about. But then on Thursday evening, um, he passed away in his sleep. Right? No one knew about that until the morning. There, there were no signs, no warnings, nothing. And uh, yesterday, uh, well, since they were like 16 hours in advance, um, they, they buried him. Uh, she sent me like a photo of the burial site with, with uh, where her grandmother was also buried. So basically both parents on, on her father's side are uh, passed away now. And when May heard about that, uh, she, she was on a car with me, and she just got really quiet. She's the one that likes to talk a lot and stuff, but she got really quiet when she saw the news on, on her phone. And later on during the day, um, I, I tried to pray for her, tried to pray for her and her family. And then, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I said something wrong, but um, as I was praying, she started to cry. And she, she cried a lot. Uh, she couldn't really control her, 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 her tears. And me just sitting there, I, I didn't really know what to do in that, in that moment. So I, I tried to comfort her. I, I gave her a lot of tissues. I think we used like half a tissue box. And I don't know what, I didn't know what to do. And then, and then, she, then she said this to me. She said, I don't know if my grandfather was a Christian. She said, I don't know if my grandfather is a Christian. She had shared the, the gospel with her grandmother because she was in Korea during that time with her, when her grandmother was sick. So she was able to share the gospel with her grandmother. But with her grandfather, she didn't have that, that time. She wasn't there in Korea when, she, when he was in hospital. She wasn't there uh, living in Korea, you know, just, just having more opportunities with her grandfather. And she wasn't as close to him. All she said to me was that she didn't know. And I felt really powerless, again, still. I couldn't bring her, grandmother, uh, her grandfather back from the dead. I couldn't reverse time. Right? I couldn't undo anything. And just like that, he was gone without a warning. And if he didn't believe in Jesus then, and although it's sad, it's really sad, I, I could see it in, in her face, May's face, when she was telling me this and she was crying. The reality is that he'll be in hell. That's the reality. If he didn't believe in Jesus then, reality is that he'll be in hell. And this is the case for all people. 
There's no exceptions. Doesn't matter how wealthy you are, doesn't matter how nice you are, doesn't matter how many good deeds you've done in your lifetime, or how much you've tried to correct your wrongs. But if you don't believe in Jesus, then the sad reality is that you're going to be in hell. This goes for your friends and for your families. And as we continue to, to look, um, I'm, just gonna, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna keep reading and then I'll stop when we get hit that part. But it says, the two of them sent uh, on their way to the Holy Spirit. Actually, I'm gonna skip all that part. Let's just, let's just go to, um, uh, yeah, let's just go down to here. It says, uh, in, 20, in 21, in verse 21, it says, so basically, they, they met these people now and they're traveling, and they're, they're sharing the gospel, and, and uh, people are uh, opposing them. There's this, like, this magician dude. He's trying to oppose them because uh, someone wants to hear the gospel. Someone really powerful is interested in the gospel message, and there's this magician dude. He's like, trying to like, deceive and trying to like, like, make him not hear. So to me, it, sound, it kind of reminds me of that scene in Lord of the Rings um, where uh, I think the, what the, the, the king of Gondor or something like that He's like being poisoned by his like subordinate. Is, is that right? Is that right, Amos? Yeah, I, I see a I see a nod. Okay. Yeah. He, he's like he's like all pale and he's like sitting in his throne and he's like all shriveled up. He's really pale. And then his advisor is like this dude that's like snake-like and he's just like, these people are here to deceive you. And like send them away. And then like, you know, that's what I that's what I imagine in 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 this story here. Right. So that's going on and then ultimately like. Uh, he's, confront, he's confronted, and they're like, dude, get away, like, get away, from, you know, we want to share the message, and they share the message, and this guy, he's like, whoa, totally blown away, and that's what's going on here, and they continue to share the gospel message, and um, they're, here they're sharing with, the, with uh, people who, in the, like, they're in the temple, so these people are, like, Jewish, but it says here, in verse 21, then the people asked for a king, so the Israelites asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. And he testified uh, concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not the one, no, but he is coming after me who sandals I am not worthy to untie. So this is talking about Jesus. And then, uh, and then let's, let's skip over uh, to 36. It says, it says this, For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not decay. So, even King David, David, a man chosen by God, anointed by God, a man called a man after God's own heart. David was a man that was like, whoa, when you see him, this guy loves Jesus. This guy loves God. Well, I mean, he didn't, he didn't know Jesus at that time, but he loved to obey God. But even he died. Even he died. So this man that was considered good, 
chosen by God, even he died. He didn't escape death. And what happened to his body? It decayed. Have you guys ever seen something decay before? Yeah, a dead body decay? I haven't yet. But that's, that's, that's what May's grandfather's body is, is doing right now. It's, it's decaying. Decaying now. Right? Death, it, it doesn't wait for anyone. Death doesn't discriminate. Right? But the one whom God raised from the dead did not decay. And who, who, is, uh, um, who is being referred to here? Who's being referred to here? The one that did not decay. Christ. The, one, right, the, the Son of God, 100% God, 100% man, this person did not decay. But what does that mean? What does that mean? In verse 38, let's, let's read. It says, I want you to know, my dear for my brothers, so brothers and sisters here who are sitting here, I want you to know this. Okay, so listen. I want you to know this, that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you cannot be justified from by the law of Moses. Jesus forgives sins. The Bible says that everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone is a sinner. The law of Moses was actually created not so that someone could become righteous, but rather it was to show people that they couldn't be righteous apart from God. It showed them that, that they, through their own works, they couldn't justify themselves. So what does justification mean? That's, that's a word that we haven't really talked about before. What does, anyone can give a definition of justification. Or take a shot at that from this side, from this side. Justification. You can brag about that to your other Christian friends after today. What does justification mean, guys? Like when we read the Bible, like we got to understand the words, right? Or else we're not going to understand what we're reading. Come on, guys. All right, Christian, you can choose someone from this side. Because I made you answer the last one. Wait, what, what did you choose? Who? What did you choose? Oh, hey, Charles. Being made right in the eyes of God. Oh, okay. I, I see a, a, a nod from Christian. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Very good. 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 <laughs> Are you surprised? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> that's what it means. Yeah, justification, it means to declare as righteous, meaning to say that, that now, in God's eyes, you are made right. That you are no longer, in God's eyes, a sinner. That you are clean, that you are pure, that you are righteous, that you are holy in God's eyes. Because, not of our own works, yeah, because we're sinners, but because of Jesus. Right? Because Jesus forgives sins. Right? This was not obtainable in the Old Testament. 
Because it was impossible to fully please God. It was impossible to keep the whole law, 613 commandments. It was impossible. I mean, I'm glad we don't have that many laws today, but it was impossible. And in verse 48, it says this. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who are appointed for eternal life believed. They were glad. The gospel is good news, and when they heard it, they were glad. Like, is that our reaction when we, when we hear the good news, when we read about it in the Bible, when, when we experience it in our lives, that that's good news, and we should be joyful, we should be glad. I, I wonder if you guys remember the first time in which you heard and you believed the gospel. Maybe you heard it many times, but there was a certain point in time when that finally clicked, and you're like, yes, I want that. And that was good news for you in that time, and you were glad. We will also see that not everyone is going to want that, though. Not everyone is going to receive the gospel. Not everyone is going to receive you if you share it with them. In verse 44, I want to go back a little, it says this. On the Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against Paul and what he was saying. When the Jewish crowds, they saw, they were filled with jealousy and they, and they began to contradict Paul and they began to twist his words and they began to abuse him and to probably to heap insults on, 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 on Paul. And it's interesting now because they're kind of, uh, Saul, Saul's name is now Paul. If you, if you see, it's still the same person, but he has also another name, just like John and Mark, right? We got Saul and Paul, same person here. Not everyone is going to come begging you and say, oh, Christian, Oh, Charles, uh, Andrew, please tell me more about Jesus. I'm just, I'm just begging you. Just tell me more about Jesus. This isn't going to happen all the time. Right? This isn't going to happen for every single person. Some might, but not everyone. But we've got to remember that ultimately it's not up to us how people decide. It's ultimately not up to us. We can do our best to share we can try and make it so that it's, it's easy to take in, that's understandable, that's clear. But ultimately, it's not up, up to us to decide. Should we tell the truth? Should we tell the truth when we share the gospel? Yes or no? Yes, right? Okay. Should we water down the truth? No. No? Seeing, not, not sure? Not sure, right? Yeah, so, yes, right? So, so we should tell the truth, but no, right? We should not water down the truth. Or should we be loving and sensitive as we share? Yes. Should we give a message that lacks truth because we don't want to offend anyone? No. But, yeah, ultimately, how does that work? Well, you got to do it, right? Then you'll see how it starts to work. Right? Just like when you, if you're being a witness, you've got you to do it. Then you start to see how that works. Right? And, and for the past few days, for me, as, as I've been just processing uh, May's grandfather's, uh, grandfather passing away and just kind of experiencing that moment with her, it, it was kind of like a wake-up call. It was wake-up for me. Um, it's really strange how times like this, times when 
Like something really terrible has to happen sometimes for people to kind of wake up, right? to, to kind of snap out of it, to see what's important, what's, what's a priority in life. And yeah, it's, it's been a good reminder for me these past few days um, that lives are at stake. Right? Lives are at stake. Well, where do our priorities lie, though? Right, and, and, and are, are you on mission with God? Are we on mission with God? Is he the center? Is he our priority? Yes, there are good things that we need to do, right? Friends, family, rest, and fun, and work. Like, you know, these are all good things, right? Succeeding, you know, be, having fulfillment in what you do, uh, satisfaction, those are all good things, right? But the most important thing, are we on mission with God? Right? That's why we're gathered here today. That's, that's why the church exists. Not, not so that we can become another country club or like another, you know, or like some kind of hangout group or something like that. But really, this is the center of what we do. So I want you guys to think about this. Is for your lives, what are some things that you need to start doing? What are some things that you need to start doing as you want to kind of reorient your life? What are some things that you need to keep doing? And what are some things that you need to stop doing? Think about that. What are some things you need to start doing, keep doing, and stop doing? Yeah, I want you guys just to spend a minute to think about that. And we're just going to pass the offering bag around um, during this time. And I know we went over a little late today. Thank you guys for just hanging in there with me as, as we're learning uh, God's word together. Just, just spend a moment just to think about that. Even, even type, write it down maybe in your phone. Make a reminder or something. What, what can I do that will help me to really focus in on God's mission? Take, 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 take one step, right? Just one step. Like, like Justin said, you don't need to walk from here all the way to the end in one day or in one week, in one year, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's a progress, right? Maybe you can make something, a simple decision here and out today. Maybe there's someone on your mind that you want to share with. Uh, on my mind, you know, I have my grandmother. She's on my mind right now. Um, she's, you know, not, not, she, her health just hasn't been too good. I, I shared about that before. She's, she's quite resistant to the gospel, and that's been on my mind. Um, and I'm sure for you guys, you have people on your minds too. So, yeah, let, let's, uh, yeah, so I'm going to, uh, let's just pass the offering back around, and I'll, and I'll close out for us, and I'll pray. If you're, if you're a first-time here, if you're a guest here, or if you're not a Christian, don't feel obligated to give. Please stand. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, you are so good to us. Yes, Lord, we experience pains and troubles in this life, but at the end of the day, Lord, can we say that you are good? Would you help us as we continue to follow after you, to, to love you, or to worship you with our entire lives? to communicate with you, Lord, and also to just be on mission. Lord, would, would you bless these offerings, um, the generosity of your people, that uh, we would be able to use it for your glory, that we would use it wisely in all that we do. Um, Lord, would you continue to, to, uh, to bless us, Lord? Would you continue to guide us with your spirit, fill us with your spirit, Lord, and that we can live for you and each and every day, um, despite whatever happens, despite whatever uh, circumstances we may be in. 
Lord, at the, at the end of the day, that we would be witnesses for you. Um, Lord, and continue to grow us through, the, through our troubles, through our trials, or through the rough times, that, that you would use these times to refine us, to, to, to um, make us uh, more in the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in the name of your in the Son, Jesus Christ. We pray this, uh, and, and we just want to give all the glory to you. Amen.